Thank you for joining the podcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship. We're located at 1361 High Street in the city of Alameda, California. For more information and service times, please visit our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is anointed and it is powerful. I pray that you would use me tonight to speak as the oracles of the Lord and to minister grace unto the hearers. God, I thank you for everything you've done here already. I pray you bless your people. I pray that in the next few moments there would be an outpouring of your spirit. I pray that there would be healing and deliverance, signs and wonders. God, we pray for your host of heaven to visit this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone shout, amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you. And you may be seated. What I'm holding in my hand here is a very complex piece of American history. It is commonly referred to as barbed wire. Barbed wire is something all of us have probably seen, but few of us probably think about. There was a time when barbed wire did not exist, and its American inventors were not so sure that it would ever catch on. But catch on it did. And since then, it has wrapped itself around the world more than once and had nothing short of a profound impact. In the mid-1800s, the people of the United States, by way of presidential encouragement, began to spread themselves out from coast to coast. The U.S. government at the time summoned farmers to move west because farmers, unlike cattlemen, or what we know as cowboys, established communities which would later become cities and helped build a nation. Needless to say, people begin heading west in record numbers, but without, but not without multiple problems. The new landscape they were trying to settle had site-specific needs, many of which centered on controlling the droves of cattle owned by the cattlemen. Cattle in particular were a problem for settlers because they trampled and decimated crops making settling and building communities virtually impossible. It was out of this necessity to possess land, harness its energies, and divide it that barbed wire was born. Once the settlers began making fences with it and saw its effectiveness, it was over. Companies could hardly keep up with the demands of barbed wire. By 1876, three million pounds of barbed wire were being produced and sold annually. But what was popular with the settlers was not popular with the cowboys or the Indians. The cattlemen who traveled across America with their cattle argued that barbed wire fences were an inhumane way of protecting their land. 
Because cattle who have no idea or concept of what a fence is would get tangled in the wire, resulting in small but serious injuries which eventually killed the cattle. The Native Americans, on the other hand, were forced to stand by and see the decimation of the buffalo accelerated courtesy of this menacing wire. The buffalo were no better off than the cattle when it came to getting tangled in the wire and dying as a result of the injuries. The Native Americans loathed barbed wire, so much so that they begin to call it the devil's rope. The devil's rope eventually lassoed its way around the West and across the United States and over into Europe. In Europe, however, the devil's rope played a much more complicated role than it did in America. In World War I, armies used it to decorate the bloody battlegrounds of Europe. And in World War II, Hitler used it as the crest and the emblem of the concentration camps. The Nazis repurposed barbed wire and began running electrical currents through it. And as a result, added a surplus amount of pain to its already painful touch. Any Jew looking to escape death camps, amen, had to first find a way to break through layers of electrical barbed wire, which of course is impossible. Many Jews, some of which I've spoken to, Holocaust survivors, say that when they could no longer endure Hitler's maniacal world of torture, spoke of something known as embracing the wire, which translated means committing suicide by running directly into electrical barbed wire fences. It is at this rather dark juncture, however, that a redemptive light flashes over this miserable wire. And it's thanks to an American by the name of Alexander Graham Bell, who is also known as the inventor of the telephone. Telephone companies wanted to expand out of the inner cities and into the rural areas of the United States, but that meant producing a lot of wire, something which the telephone companies weren't ready to do. And that's where barbed wire comes back into the picture. Both the fact that it was metal and twined made it perfectly suited for use as an inexpensive communications wire. The barbed wire wasn't as beautiful as insulated copper, but Bell wasn't worried about form. He wanted function, and function it did. Barbed wire connected millions of people across rural America. At one point, there was more lines of communication in rural America than there was in any major city. This wire, which had been historically used to separate, isolate, entrap, and even torture, was now being used to connect, to unite, and to free humanity from countless physical constraints. I want to preach to you tonight about a God that turns devil's rope into lines of connection and communication. God will repurpose what the devil means for evil and use it for good. Now, this is not part of my message. This is totally free. But if you don't believe me, I just want to remind you that you are a perfect product of that fact. The devil had purposes for you, but God converted you. And now God uses you to communicate, to connect, to find, to facilitate. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, come on. The Holy Ghost is about to talk to us. 
Somebody shout Jesus. When I think about God's ability to take devil's rope and turn it into a lines of connection and communication, one of the first things that comes to my mind is clothing. Hallelujah. And the first, something we got to understand is that the first pair of clothes that was ever made was nothing more than devil's rope. Those loose fig aprons, amen, were the emblem of Adam and Eve's sin, their separation and their entrapment. I think, in fact, it was the devil that influenced the fashion of those aprons. Amen. You can interpret this however you want to. But the Hebrew word there for those aprons is hagor. And hagor literally means just a belt. Amen. Adam and Eve made themselves just a little belt of Amen. Fig leaves. Amen. And the devil influenced that fashion because he wanted to laugh at them. He wanted to heckle them. He wanted to make fun of them. He wanted them to feel ashamed. He wanted them to feel guilty. He wanted them to feel horrible about what they had done. He wanted them to feel naked. He wanted them to feel like they had to hide. He wanted them to run from God and then even run from each other. Sin doesn't just separate people from God. It separates people from people. Come on, I'm telling you right now, that is why Brother Blash, one of the first things God does when he fills us with the Holy Ghost is he makes us reconnect with one another. He wants us to reach out. He wants us to communicate. He wants us to connect. He doesn't want us off in some isolated corner. Isolated corners destroy people. Isolate. Somebody shout amen. Amen. The other reason I think that the devil influenced these little aprons is because they were unisex. The Bible says they made themselves aprons. Adam and Eve made themselves the exact same kind of clothes. And immediately you could begin to see the lines of gender being blurred. And now she was dressed just like he was dressed. But the Bible tells me that when God came into the garden, he made the man, amen, a coat. And he made the woman a coat, amen, indicating that he had his own and she had her own. God said, we're going to get things back in order. We're not going to have this blending of the genders. We're not going to have men and women looking the same. I want... Oh, come on, come on, come on. Amen. Can I preach to you tonight that God could have deemed all clothing as useless. He could have said that clothes are nothing more, amen, than, than, than the product of a, of a, of a sin-ridden conscience. Uh, and, and he could have even said clothes, amen, have their, amen, their origin in satanic, amen, influence and heckling. But instead, God decided to use clothing as a means to communicate and to connect. Uh, and I am so sick and tired of half-backslid back, apostolics uh, who think that clothing hinders the message brother clothing is part of the message the very fact that we are here today holiness does not hinder the message holiness promotes the message amen holy Come on, come on. We're living in a world that's ripping their clothes off. We're living in a world who's got a sin-stained conscience. I'm telling you right now, there's something about a person who walks down the street clothed and in their right mind that gets people's attention. 
Come on. There's something about a person who used to rip their clothes off and now they're dressed in church, uh, worshiping Jesus, not only clothed, but clothed in Christ. Uh, amen. Covered from their shame, covered from their guilt, uh, covered from their sins. Uh, I love it when I meet somebody and I can't even tell what they used to do beneath all the clothes because uh, it's all covered up. Uh, it's all. Come on, I stuck. Amen. God used those coats that he gave Adam and Eve as an emblem of his mercy, as an emblem of his love, and as an emblem of his power. Amen. Can I preach to you? I don't believe that Adam and Eve, amen, were in a big hurry to get rid of their coats. Amen. Because immediately after they left that garden, brother, the temperature wasn't fixed. It was a cold and brutal world. And I'm telling you, the first time they felt the climate change and the first time they felt the weather hit them, they were so glad that God had clothed them. They were so glad that there was a God, amen, who didn't stay in the garden when they went out, but he went with them in all wisdom. And he let them know, I got you covered. You're not out here by yourself. You made a mistake. But I got you covered. You made a mistake, but I. Oh, hallelujah. Not only do I. Not only do I believe that they did not, amen, take those coats off right away. I believe that when it finally did come time for them to remove those coats that God had made them. I believe they kept them. I believe they kept them because those coats told a very different story than the aprons they had made for themselves. Those coats told of a God that loved them. Those, those coats, amen, were little testimonies of I used to be walking around half naked, but God. Can I tell you, they probably showed those coats to their friends. They probably showed it to their kids. They probably showed it. They were around for a long time. And they would tell people, these are the coats that the Lord made for us. Uh, amen. Live right. Live clean. It's a better life. Uh, do the right thing. Uh, you'll be happier. Do the. Somebody help me preach. God doesn't have you. Come on. Holiness is a means of communication. Holiness is a means of connection. Come Come on, come on. Holiness is a non-verbal, amen, witness. It is a non-verbal. Amen. I don't have time to go down through it, but you can read through your Bible all the times that God used clothes, amen, to communicate a powerful message, a message of holiness, a message of empowerment, a message of divine ability, a message of grace, a message of favor, amen, we can talk about Joseph's coat, amen, we can talk about the Levitical priesthood's clothes, we can go on and on and on for hours of all the times and all the occasions that God took clothes, and he said, the devil meant it for evil, but I'm going to use it for good. And I'm going to communicate. And I'm going to connect to the world. And I'm going to have a visual witness. I'm going to have something that... Oh, Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
The Bible talks to us about a man named Legion who was possessed with thousands upon thousands of devils. And the Bible tells us, uh, amen, that when he saw Jesus, uh, he ran at the feet of Jesus uh, and he began to worship the Lord. Uh, and within a matter of seconds, all those devils begin to leave that man's body. Uh, prior to that, though, the Bible says that he ran around naked and cutting himself. Uh, that was the message. Uh, Legion was out of his mind. Uh, Legion was demon possessed. Uh, Legion was suicidal. Uh, Legion was dangerous. Uh, Legion could not keep, could not be kept down. Uh, but the minute Jesus delivered him, uh, the Bible says he was clothed. And in his right mind, can I tell you, amen, the first thing anybody saw when Legion, amen, had been delivered was this man's got clothes on. And those clothes said something. Those clothes told everybody who was struggling, there's hope for me. Those clothes told everybody who was losing their mind, maybe God can deliver me. Those clothes told everybody who was contemplating cutting themselves and committing suicide, maybe God can do that for me. God did that for him maybe Legion didn't have to say a word he was clothed oh come on come on summit let's magnify Jesus here This is not part of my notes, but I'm telling you, Hope Corps, don't ever feel ashamed of the way you go dressed to evangelize cities. Uh, amen. Don't you take the tuck head with that little blue shirt. Don't you take the tuck head with your bun up and your skirt long. Don't you take the tuck head. This world needs to know that there is a place, amen, where they, where people are not judged by their body. People are not People need to know that there's a place where flesh isn't everything. People need to know that there is a refuge, that there is a refuge, that there is a refuge, that there is an ethos, that there is a people among people. Somebody shout amen. I don't have time to preface everything. Amen. But I want to talk to you a little bit about technology. Amen. Technology without question can act as an agency for sin. If the devil has ever had a rope, amen, it's with modern technology. From television to computers to mobile devices, technology is the devil's electrical barbed wire. These technologies, amen, can destroy people, literally. However, everybody shout however. I believe that God can turn the devil's rope into a line of communication and contact with our world. Come on. Getting rid of technology is not an option. You know what? We need to go from the place of operating reactionary to taking action. I mean, I cannot live my whole ministry waiting to see what the world produces next and then trying to combat it. I need to be in a position where no matter what's thrown at me, I know how to take, I'm, I'm in such full swing. My church is in such revival mode that we don't gotta go down tick for tat as to what people should do. They know what they gotta do. And quite frankly, I wanna get my church to the point where ain't nobody got time for that. We're teaching Bible studies, we're knocking doors, we're running buses. You don't need to go down the line, Pastor. You don't. 
come on, come on, come on. When it comes to technology, I'm just going to say this. We must first determine which technology has redeemable value and which one does not. Because not all technology is bad. Amen. But let me say this. Television, movies, and the cult known as Hollywood have zero redeemable value. You hear me? Zero. Nada. Zip. Zilch. And let me go one step further. They are useless and they are doubly useless when it comes to Christians. I think Hollywood and all its mediums, you need to understand, I I worry just as much about the medium as I do the message. When you sit down and you watch television, you are the vantage point. Television is talking to you. There is no dialogue. Television demands, just the medium itself demands that you sit down and that you look at it and that you hear it talk to you. There is no dialogue. There is no discourse. Amen. It is, and, and not only that, Television and everything that comes through it, they determine what is what is newsworthy, what is worthy of your attention. And then after they determine that, they determine how they're going to frame it. So not only do they determine what you should watch, they should they determine how you should understand it. I don't have any time to let Hollywood be my filter. My filter is the Bible. I run everything. Not some corrupt. Help me preach right now. Let me say this about television very quickly in Hollywood and all this junk. Let me say two things. Number one, and I'm moving quickly because you got to go, etc. But let me say this. Number one, if you have, if you have. Any inkling of a feeling that we are being hindered by not promoting ourselves on television. You do not know what you are thinking. You have, you, you are naive. And I'm trying to be polite because I want to, I want to be everybody's friend. But I'm letting you know right now, you need to get yourself back in the book. You probably need to do a little bit of research and really think about what you're talking about because television has zero redeemable qualities. Zero, 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 zero. And furthermore, I don't want somebody to see Jesus and Coca-Cola on the same on the same level. Brother, this ain't Coca-Cola, this ain't Mountain Dew, this ain't Nike shoes, this ain't this ain't Gap, this ain't this ain't Toyota, this ain't Nissan, this is the gospel, this is the power of God, this is Jesus Christ, and I don't want Jesus to be smothered in between television and cars and a marketing world, I want Jesus to be high and lifted up. You know what, you are, look, I, I, you know, everybody else,
else here says, you know, they thought it was a good idea when they got invited to come preach. I thought it was a bad idea, Percy, for myself. Amen. I just, just 15, 16 years ago, whatever, I was walking the streets. I was drugged out of my mind. I was totally lost, Brother Booker. I don't feel qualified to be up here. I don't feel qualified to enforce or promote my opinion. But let me say this. When I was suicidal and drugged out and ready to kill myself, I was not turning on the TV for hope. You know what I was doing? I was looking for somebody that would connect to me. I was looking for somebody that would communicate with me. I was looking for somebody. I didn't want that tube. I wanted flesh. I wanted somebody real and alive that would take me by the hand and pull me out. Come on. There ain't no sinners. There ain't no sinner sitting in their living room thinking, I wish there was a gospel TV show on right now. That's not what they want. They want somebody who's alive, full of the spirit. just for about 15 seconds. Pastor Williams, not that it incites my desires, but that it tells me what I should desire. That's the real problem with Hollywood. That's the real problem with television. Not that it stirs your lust, but that it tells you what you should lust after. You know what? I don't need the world telling me what I should desire. One thing have I desired. And that will I seek after. That I might dwell in the house... Magnify Jesus. Magnify Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost ripping through this place right now. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be frank with you, and I hope I don't, I hope I don't offend anybody here, and nobody takes this the wrong way. But my, my, my wife and I got a burden the other day to start doing Bible studies in the city where we live. And I started doing Bible studies and we're just knocking doors and we're reaching people one at a time. Praise God, I, I got a few Hope Corps, amen, young men. And Pastor Golden even sent one. He's not here today. But thank God for Hope Corps that stimulates, amen, new desires, healthy desires to be part of the kingdom. And I asked, I said, I just got three young men. Amen, Brother Mayo had two other young men. And, uh, and, and they came with me to go do outreach uh, and just knock doors and I told them look gentlemen I'm not trying to get rid of this box of flyers I want you to get me one contact get me two contacts uh, and then it'll roll from there uh, I said I don't I don't care if we don't get rid of this box uh, but just help me to reach one person two people I'll do the rest from there I'll teach the Bible studies uh, we started Bible studies just three weeks ago amen and I'm going to tell you something uh, I have one man uh, amen who tunes in every Thursday via the internet uh, just to go through the Bible study chart. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I know that might offend people, but I'm telling you right now, I'm ready to get them any way I can get them. I'm ready to bring them in. Amen. The devil might have all kinds of smut and trash on the internet, but guess what? We got some stuff on there too. And if people want to... Oh, come on. I just preached to a few saints. If I had an aunt or a relative that lived all the way across the country, brother, you better believe it's going to be Skype and search for truth time for me. I'm going to talk to them any way I can. I'm going to get through to them every way, any way I can. But I'm certainly not going to send them a DVD, amen, of Bible the movie. And I'm certainly not going to send them a Blu-ray, amen, of the passion of the Christ all those movies all those television shows have done nothing they've done squat they've actually hurt us they're not helping us we've got to get money everyone say money and we've had such a wonderful offering mankind's greed an excessive nature makes money a perfect devil's rope. Over and over the Bible talks to us, amen, about the love of money. Jesus tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. But God wants to take our money and use it to communicate and connect to the world. We are investing in revival. Hey. I want to make everybody here a promise based on the word of God. Everybody here who gave, I don't care if you gave 20 or 20,000 or 50,000, you will be blessed. Expect it. Receive it. Take it. God will bless you for it. God will bless you for it. And God will use your money to reach, to reach, to reach, to win souls, to baptize them. You're not... In the book of Leviticus, 
Amen. The Lord told the children of Israel that they were to give everything they had, their monetary goods, amen, to build the tabernacle. The people gave all their jewelry. They gave their earrings. They gave their rings. They gave their bracelets. They took off the devil's chains. They took off the devil's rings. Hey, let me tell you, I don't care if it's diamond studded. I don't care if it's blinged out. I don't care if it's pure gold. The minute you put a ring on, an earring, a bracelet, or anything else, brother, you are in bondage. You are getting chained up. You are getting chained up. And the devil loves it because nobody wears jewelry humbly. Nobody that nobody rocks a chain on the inside of their shirt unless they don't want to get it stolen. Otherwise, they're putting that thing out. They're putting those rings out. They're letting those bracelets shine. They want you to see those earrings and I'm telling you right now all of that is just a visual marker that you are in bondage you are tied up in the devil's rope and that's where Israel was at they were fresh out of Egypt they actually took their earrings and bracelets off two times the first time they took it off to make a golden calf and that went all wrong amen it doesn't help you to take your gold chains off and all your worldliness amen only to build up another idol it only makes a difference when you put it in the hands of God in Exodus 32 they made it for the cow in Exodus 35 amen they made it for the tabernacle and then all of a sudden the glory of the Lord begins oh come on come on come on it does make a difference where you put your money it does make a I don't want to put my money up to build golden cows. I want to put my money up to establish the temple of the Lord, to establish the house of God. I want to bring it to the storehouse that the house might be blessed. I want to bring it to the gospel. I want to see Jesus' glory shine throughout the earth. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus. Come on. You know what? I feel a wave of giving. I feel a wave of blessing. I feel a wave of blessing. I feel a wave of... Even as I preach, there's people getting nervous that I'm bucking up against some sort of prosperity, charismatic junk. Let me tell you something. You are obligated to believe. The Bible says, he that cometh to the Lord must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. That is his description. He rewards giving. He rewards giving. Whether you give much or you give little, you better expect a reward. You better believe the Lord loves a hilarious giver. I learned very on, early on in my Christianity. You know, let me just say this there is you cannot pay enough to be part of this gospel you cannot give it it is it is the gospel and promoting it is cheap at any price it's cheap brother parker let's pray let's pray come on the holy ghost is about to 
Come on, let's reverence the Lord right now. The Holy Ghost is moving. He told her, come on, hands lifted up. I believe God is going to honor our giving right now. I really do. I really do. I really do. I really do believe people are going to be healed right now. I really do believe you can put your arm around your visitor's shoulder right now and tell them to lift their hands and shout hallelujah and they'll get the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in tongues. I really do believe you can bring your children up to the altar who've never spoken in tongues and watch them speak in tongues. I really do believe, amen, that a discouraged, amen, pastor can lift his hands right now and that heavy burden can be lifted off your shoulder. closing I'm closing you know I totally believe I totally believe in people saying I'm giving this in honor of my backslid kid I totally believe in faith in it and putting your money where your mouth is hey you got to remember the first Gentiles ever saved in the Bible were saved on prayers and offerings. That went over like a ham sandwich at a Jewish wedding. I'm telling you. Jesus. I am I am not being over dramatic. I have no intention of dramatizing things. We are in the last days. Fact. If there has ever been a time to invest totally into the gospel, you know, I don't care what you care about Kim Davis. You ought, to, you ought to recognize that an apostolic went to jail on a global level. Not a Baptist. Not a Mormon.
live just a stone's throw away from San Francisco. I brought these young men with me to go do outreach the other day in the city where I live. You, they'll hear, they'll tell you, we, we were sitting, I, I, I treated them to a coffee, amen. I put, amen, I was my little offer in there. Bought them coffee. We were sitting in front of the coffee shop. As we were sitting in front of the coffee shop, a, a, a couple came out of their car, little five-year-old kid, little boy, very boy, very blonde-haired, scruffy, scratches, looks like a good five-year-old boy, except he had a dress on. That's where I live. Those boys turned around, looked at me, said, what is that? I said, that's the world we're living in. And it's coming to a city near you. I'm telling you, there's a man, there's a man here. He just came up to me. He just, I, just preached a, I just preached a youth camp. Some of you kids were there in Mississippi. And I, there was a whole service. I just preached. I just preached on all the people that are giving themselves over now to homosexuality. And I'm telling you, you would think, what are you doing preaching this to a bunch of apostolic kids? Brother, I'm telling you, that stuff is sweeping over. There, there, there are kids here right now. Your parents have been divorced and your mom ran off with another woman. Your parents are divorced and your dad ran off to another man. That, that is the world we're living in. And it happens in Mississippi. It happens in Georgia. It happens in Atlanta. It happens in Tulsa. It happens in San Francisco. It's happening everywhere. I had a man, he just came up to me right before I, I got to preach. He came up to me in that service. I felt like, I thought, I can't preach like this to these people. They live in the Bible Belt. Well, guess what? The buckle's about to burst on the Bible Belt too. And God said, you better obey me. I preached. I had a man come up to me. He looked at me. He's right here. I, could, I just don't want to say embarrass him or whatever. But he looked at me and he said, Brother Prado, you believe what you're preaching? Because I got to preaching about all kinds of people that I've personally seen come out of that lifestyle. And I thought, man, I think I upset this guy. And he said, do you believe what you're preaching? I said, I do believe what I'm preaching. He said, do you believe God could save my sister? I said, I believe God can save your sister. He began to sob. He began to yell. I laid my hands on him. I said, we're going to pray for your sister. And his sister just showed up to your church a few weeks ago. Hallelujah. Am I telling the truth? Am I I'm telling you right now? It's time to get your boots on. And get... Come on. It's time to tie up your shoes. Put your staff in your hand. We're coming out. We're coming out. We're coming out. It's not time to be lazy. There's no time to put leaven in the bread. Move, 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 move. Eat the lamb and run. Eat the... Come on, somebody. Come on. I wish somebody would lose their mind right now. I wish somebody would just get apostolic and let out their voice and yell for their city and yell for their mama and yell for their daddy and yell for their sister and yell. We win. We win. fervent prayer of righteous people availeth much, 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 
Come on, go. Orar sin cesar. Orar sin cesar. Pray without ceasing. Pray without. If you can't get up here, you're sick in your body. Just tell your neighbor, put your hand on my head. Pray for me. Pray for me. Come on, you got family trapped in sin. Pray. Pray.